Hello, greetings, friends, family. It is the weekend of Sunday, July the 30th, and we are close to wrapping up our time in the book of James. Today, we're going to look at James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12, and I'm reading from the NIV translation. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you'll be condemned. There's a story about a monastery in Europe that's perched high on this cliff, several hundred feet in the air, and the only way to reach the monastery is to be suspended in a basket, which was pulled to the top by several monks who had to pull and tug with all their strength. Well, obviously, the ride up the steep cliff in that basket is terrifying. And on his way up, one tourist noticed that the rope by which he was suspended was old and was frayed. And with a trembling voice, he asked the monk who was riding with him in the basket how often they changed the rope. The monk thought for a moment, shrugged and answered, whenever it breaks. I'm wondering if the pressures that we all face, that, we, that, that the world manages to get us close to, uh, or, or puts in our face rather, does that get us close to the breaking point? We know life is difficult enough without the pressures that come from, from being a follower of Jesus and trying to follow Jesus against um, a, a culture that often finds us swimming upstream. But I'm wondering this morning if we've ever felt like someone was out to get us. Have we ever felt like someone was trying to take advantage of us? Have we ever felt oppressed? Some people ask the question, what should we do as Christians when we're being oppressed? But the best way to answer that question is by asking this more important question, what should we not do? And James is going to share with us today in James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12, these instructions, these principles which guided the early Christians, the early believers, when they were being oppressed. And these principles are just as applicable to us today when we are being oppressed. To help us deal with oppression, James tells us not to resist. James verse 5 chapter 5 4 through 6 you have paid you have not paid any wages to those who work in your fields listen to their complaints the cries of those who gather in your crops have reached the ears of God the Lord almighty your life here on earth has been full of luxury and pleasure you've made yourselves fat for the day of slaughter you've been you've condemned and murdered innocent people they do not resist you now these guys were being treated badly and treated unjustly especially by the wealthy but James tells us that they did not resist now I don't know about you, but this goes against everything which naturally is inside of me. This goes against everything that the world teaches about oppression. But when we become a believer, when we become a follower of Jesus, we're not following the world's ways anymore. We're following the way, the way of Jesus. 
And so not only does our life dramatically change, our whole way of thinking is drastically changed. In Romans chapter 12, verse 19 through 21, never take revenge, my friends, but instead let God's anger do it. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay back, says the Lord. Instead, as the scripture says, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will make them burn with shame. Do not let evil defeat you. Instead, conquer evil with good. You see, human nature, my nature, pushes us to react like the rest of the world would react by lashing out in what we think is justifiable anger. Human wisdom pushes us to react like the rest of the world by standing up for our rights. But the believer is called to react differently. We're advised not to react that way. And the reason we don't react that way is because of a couple of things, three things. First of all, an awareness that the Lord is coming to judge. Verses 8 through 9, you also must be patient. Keep your hopes high, for the day of the Lord's coming is near. Do not complain against one another, my friends, so that God will not judge you. The judge is near, ready to appear. You see, if we know that the Lord is coming, we're more likely not to judge others because we know that the Lord will be the one doing the judging. We know that he is the one who will judge correctly. He is the one who knows all things. And because he knows all things, we should leave all things in his hands. And if I know all things are in his hands, then I shouldn't need to justify my anger. We shouldn't need to stand up then for our rights. Because not only should we be aware that the Lord is coming, we also need to have, secondly here, a willingness to let him be our avenger. Luke 18, 7 through 8. Now will God not judge in favor of his own people who cry to him day and night for help? Will he be slow to help them? I tell you, he will judge in their favor and do it quickly. But will the Son of Man find faith on earth when he comes? No, I'm a person. I'm a man. And I know and I understand that this is never easy. It's never easy to leave things in God's hands. And I know and I understand because I have felt it and I'm because I am a real person that re- resisting the temptation to lash out and to stand up for my rights is never easy. But as followers of Jesus, we're called on to imitate Christ and his example. 1 Peter chapter 2, 21-23, It was to this that God called you, for Christ himself suffered for you and left you an example so that you would follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no one ever heard a lie come from his lips. When he was insulted, he did not answer back with an insult. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but placed his hopes in God, the righteous judge. So not only should we be aware that the Lord is coming, and we secondly need a willingness to let him be our avenger, we also thirdly need to be patient. We know sometimes as Christians, as believers, we want things sorted out as quickly as possible and on my timetable, right? But surely I should know by now that God doesn't work to my will and timetable. He works according to his will and his time. And sometimes we get frustrated and angry, even when things are not, when things are not working out quickly enough. People oppress us and, and we say, yes, I'll just leave it in God's hands. But maybe after a few months of continuous oppression or continuous browbeating, we lose patience because we think that God isn't listening. And that's when we must be even more patient. And James is going to share with us three examples to encourage us to be patient. The farmer, 
James 5, 7. Be patient then, my friends, until the Lord comes. See how patient farmers are as they wait for their land to produce precious crops. They wait patiently for the autumn and spring rains. And then secondly, the prophets. In, in verse 10, my friends, remember the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Take them as examples of patience, endurance under suffering. And then Job. You know, we, we spent a long time going through the book of Job. And, and in James verse 11 of chapter 5, we call them happy because they endured. You have heard of Job's patience, and you know how the Lord provided for him in the end. For the Lord is full of mercy and compassion. So we understand the patience that a farmer needs for his crops. We understand the patience that the prophets had in the Old Testament, especially when no one would listen to them. But I want to focus just for a minute here on the patience of Job. As we have all heard at some point from someone, right, in our world. So you think you have problems. Well, who, well, who doesn't? You see, friends, friends, whatever trial that we're going through at the moment, no matter what personal trial we're facing right now, whatever's happening in our life at the moment, is no reason for us to quit the church or abandon our faith. Let's put ourselves in, in, back into the shoes of Job for a moment. He lost his wealth in rapid succession. Three messengers come telling Job of destruction of his property, servants by bands, robbers, lightning. He lost his family. A fourth messenger comes and tells the death of all Job's children. Seven sons and three daughters were crushed in one moment when a house fell. He lost his health. Job was smitten from, from head to foot with the most disgusting ulcers. He was constrained to sit down among the ashes and scrape himself with a piece of pottery. He lost his friends. His servants turned their backs on him. The, the, the children in the streets despised Job. They mocked him. His friends told him that, that his sufferings were because of his weak wickedness. And his, his wife mocked him and told him to curse him, to curse God and then just go die. And so when we look at Job and his trials, I'm sure we would probably agree that he was going through a horrific time. Even if we were to, to break his trials down separately, they would be horrific. But when we see them collectively, most of us, I, I, just completely overwhelmed, right? I mean, just listening to him, never mind actually going through them. But he doesn't curse God. He, he, he doesn't stand up for his rights. Instead, he did what James is trying to teach us. Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground and worshiped. Job learned something which I'm hoping we can all learn. Job learned that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Job learned to keep engaging with God, to be patient. The farmers, the prophets, and Job all teach us to place our trust in the Lord. But the only way to trust the Lord like this is to take these words off the pages of Scripture and, and, and establish them in our hearts. The, the word establish means to fix, to, to, to make it fast, to set, like a bone that's broken, that sets. And the key to establishing our hearts is found in the Word of God in 2 Peter verse. 12 of chapter 1. And so I will always remind you of these matters, even though you already know them and are firmly grounded in the truth you have received. It's, it's through this constant and careful study of God's word that our faith in God and his eventual justice is strengthened. And, and if our hearts are rooted and established in God's word, we're more likely to act as we should when we're being oppressed. Now, we can usually tell from uh, to tell fellow believers and Christians who are struggling with some kind of oppression of some sort or leaving things in the, God's hands 
or with patients. We can, we can, when we struggle in these areas, normally we become grumblers and especially against one another. Verse nine says, do not complain against one another, my friends, so that God will not judge you. The judge is not, is, is near. He's ready to appear. James says, if we want to start trusting God, then stop the grumbling, stop complaining, stop being negative. Now, I don't know about you, but when we go through tough times, when I go through tough times, I very often take out my frustration on those that I love the most, whether it's our wives, our husbands, mothers, fathers, kids, roommates, friends, etc. If we've had a bad day at work, for example, the likelihood is that we're going to take it out, that, that bad stuff that happened or that frustrating thing that happens at work, we take it out on our family. And so I need to understand that sometimes this happens with our spiritual family as well. We need to be on guard against such times. James warns us not to swear. In verse 12, above all, my friends, do not use an oath when you make a promise. Do not swear by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Say only yes when you mean yes and no when you mean no. And then you will not come under God's judgment. Now, when times are tough and we're going through the difficult trials, it's during those times more than any other that we're tempted to swear. We're, we're, in other words, we're, we're more likely to make rash promises. So I need to be aware that any promise, whether it's big or small, made to God is a promise which God is going to hold me to. In Ecclesiastes, it says this in chapter 5, the first two verses, Be careful about going to the temple. It is better to go there to learn than to offer sacrifices like foolish people who don't know right from wrong. Think before you speak and don't make any rash promises to God. He is in heaven and you're on earth, so don't say any more than you have to. Let's be careful about an oath that we make, either, either whether that's to each other or to, or to God. In fact, James tells us that the best way of avoiding making these oaths is like this is to stop making oaths altogether. Stand by our word. Yes means yes. No means no. And then lastly today, in times of oppression, believers need to know that we have a powerful weapon in our arsenal. And it's called prayer. In verse 13 of 5, of chapter five, James says this, are you among, are any among you in trouble? Then they should pray. Are any among you happy? They should sing praises. One of the things which frustrates us as believers, as Christians, when we're going through trials is that we often tend to think that God is not listening to us. Please, we cannot allow Satan to whisper those things in our ear. We, when the Christian prays, God hears. Luke 18, 7 through 8. Now, will God not judge in favor of his own people who cry to him day and night for help? Will he be slow to help them? I tell you, he will judge in their favor and do it quickly. But will the Son of Man find faith on earth when he comes? That's a promise right there. When, when we're being oppressed, when we're under the grip, and we pray to God for help, he hears, and he will take action. Revelation 6, 9 through 11. Then the Lamb broke on the fifth seal, and I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been killed because they had proclaimed God's word and had been faithful in their witnessing. They shouted in a loud voice, Almighty Lord, holy and true, how long will it be until you judge the people on earth and punish them for killing us? Each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to rest a little while longer until the complete number of the other servants and believers were killed as they have been. Now, it may not come when we want it. But God will take action when the time is correct and right, and the oppressed will be 
avenged. We have to remember not to retaliate, but to be kind, to be patient, and establish God's word, God's word within our heart. Don't complain, don't swear, but pray. Because when we as believers react this way to oppression, we are actually following the example of Jesus. In 1 Peter chapter 2, when he was insulted, he did not answer back with an insult. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but placed his hopes in God, the righteous judge. When we as Christians react this way to oppression, we're actually following the example of the early disciples. 1 Peter chapter 4, 19. So then those who suffer because it is God's will for them should by their good actions trust themselves completely to their creator who always keeps his promises. With such a righteous God on our side, we can endure anyone who opposes us. We can remember that any trial or oppression should always be seen as an opportunity to praise God. Oppressed by the noonday heat, a farmer a very tired farmer sat under a walnut tree to rest and relaxing. He looked at his pumpkin vines and said to himself, how strange it is that God put such a big, heavy pumpkin on, on a frail vine and has so that has so little strength that it has. And and so it has to trail along the ground. And then he looked looking up into the cool branches of the tree above him. He added, and how strange is it that God puts small walnuts on such a big tree with branches so strong that they could hold a man. And just then a breeze dislodged a walnut from the tree and the tired farmer wondered no more as he rubbed his head ruefully and said, it's a good thing there wasn't a pumpkin up there instead of a walnut. When the winds of life blow, we have to remember that God, who is great and wise, doesn't make any mistakes. He deserves our praise under any circumstance. Because he is God, and he is good, and he is good all the time, even when we're being oppressed. Amen. God bless. Have a good week.